Welcome to the Why Your Relationships Suck podcast, a podcast about creating strong relationships with courage and heart. Here we explore what gets in the way of the relationships we yearn for, the relationships to ourselves, those we love, and as fully expressed leaders in the world. We look for gold in our most tragic relationship experiences, share our intimate stories and the steps we took to overcome some of the most common relationship challenges many of us face. Our commitment is you learn something about yourself, which allows you to open up to new awarenesses and get into action. As in most relationships, we never truly know what we're in for. Sometimes it's smooth sailing, and other times it gets just a little bit messy. Now here's your host, Bob Conlon. Let's jump in. Hey everyone, I am so excited to be here. My name is Bob Conlon. I'm a life, love, and leadership champion, author, coach, trainer, renegade human transformer, and a professional certified coach with the International Coach Federation. Today's guest is Christina Stathopoulos of Hear Her Roar. Christina is a professional certified coach and an accomplishment coaching certified coach. She holds degrees with high honors in chemistry and English from Mount Holyoke College. Christina is a leadership coach and trainer for millennial women, as well as an international speaker, as well as Christina is my partner and leader in training for the Chicago program with accomplishment coaching. She's been responsible for much of my growth as a leader, a man, and a husband, and I'm so delighted to have her here with us today. And today, everyone, is the Daddy Issue episode. Today, we're exploring our familial relationships and how paternal neglect, both through the loss of a father and the dysfunction of another, has shaped our experiences of being children, being adults, and being leaders. Christina, welcome to the podcast. Woohoo! Here to talk about daddy issues. Thanks for having me. You got it. You got it. So excited to have you here. Like I said, uh, you've been instrumental in many ways in my life. And when I was looking for guests to talk about relationships and particularly relationships with family, uh, it was uh, obvious guest to have you on and talking about our relationships with our fathers. Oh man, I am so honored that the level of dysfunction I grew up with made me the most worthy candidate for something like this. You are my people. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so excited to have you. So good. So yes, today we're talking about family relationships, in particular the relationships with our fathers. And share a little bit why that relationship sucked for you. Ooh, where do I start? Well, first of all, mom, if you're listening, don't take it personally. This is about dad. And dad, if you're listening, just don't listen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, all jokes aside, I think, so one thing that you should know about my father is that he has bipolar disorder. And that in itself is a pretty tricky diagnosis. Um, But I think part of what made the relationship suck for a while was actually the secrecy around it and Mm. me not even knowing that that's sort of what was going on with him until I was about 17 years old. And so rather than seeing this as like, a oh, there's a person with some stuff who's going through some things, I related to a lot of my childhood as like, oh, well, this must just be how everyone's dad is and 
how every daughter gets treated. And I just got to like stuff it down and deal with it and live my life this way. Mm-hmm. When was, uh, when was the time when you, when you started to notice that like, Hey, something's not, you know, if we use the word normal, like something's different here, something's not normal here. When did you start to recognize that? Honestly, it took a lot. Like I think, um, part of like the, the dysfunction of it is, you know, not, I want to be clear. I'm not an expert on bipolar disorder. So if you're listening to this, don't collapse what my experience was with the truth or a diagnosis, but So like in a lot of ways, like when my dad was manic and up, like there was tons of praise and tons of expectation and tons of, and, you know, always being called a genius and excellent. But the way that that genius and excellence then got used was, you know, I remember being in like the eighth grade and being woken up at like two o'clock in the morning to work on project proposals for him or design logos for him or do like all these absurd things until, you know, six or seven when I had to get ready for school. Mm. And so I think, I think why it was hard to question whether it was normal or not was because it like that was my normal. And it was really only when I left New Jersey to go to college in Massachusetts and talk to other people about their home experiences that I started to realize that like, oh, like just because you're smart doesn't mean that your parents like extort you for your gifts and ideas and brilliance. It like that's not <laughs> like just because you're smart doesn't mean you're suddenly like your dad's employee, so to speak. So it really took like kind of being outside of the dysfunction and being around people who had quote unquote normal lives to start to piece together like, oh, maybe, maybe like things didn't actually add up the, the way that I thought that they did at the time. Yeah, and it was probably, well, I'm curious, like, when you had that realization or that awareness, like, what kind of feelings came up for you? Or what did you start to kind of piece together for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think at the time, I remember there were there were two big feelings. And the first was, I didn't know it because I wasn't, like, I, I didn't have a lot of familiarity with it. But, like, there was actually a lot of anger and a lot of righteousness, like a, like a, Hey, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) why didn't anyone say anything? Why didn't anyone come to save me? Like, why, like, why was I the person that had to go through that? Mm -hmm. And then in that question of like, Oh, why was I the person that had to go through that? There was also this feeling of like, well, I guess I deserved it somehow. Like there was very much this feeling of like, Oh, well, you know, I, you know, I guess like that's, that's the consequence of being smart or that's the consequence of being a hard worker. Like people are going to extort you for that. And people are going to want to take advantage of that. And I started to kind of create this idea in my head that all I was good for was like being a workhorse and getting things done for people. Um, so those were like, that was, it was like the two sides of a coin. One side I was like righteous and pissed off. And on the other side, I was like, well, I guess I should just keep playing the role of good little girl because that's what's gotten me this far Mm. yeah it it reminds me of a little bit of like my my own daddy issues um my my father died when i was very young i was seven years old and my dad went to work one day and and never came home and i think at that age i had a very i mean it was impossible for me to process what that meant right? Like what death meant, what my father's passing meant, how that impacted our family. 
it was very difficult for me to actually like understand what was happening. Like I remember dreaming or still thinking that dad was going to come home at, at any moment. Mm-hmm. And when I started getting a bit older and really starting to process the feeling and process what was happening, that's when my anger and righteousness came up. You know, I was, I was just so, I mean, <laughs> I think I was just angry at the world. I don't know how else I could explain it, but <laughs> I, there, cause there's really no, no place to point that anger, right? Like I could be mad at God or I could be mad at my, my mom or I could be mad at my dad, but like none of, none of that really seemed right you know, none of it really seemed like they could take the brunt of the anger. And what I started to do was, was turn that, that anger and righteousness on myself. And I turned myself into like a punching bag. Like I made myself wrong. I made uh, my father's passing something about mean something about me. And then, you know, as I got older and I, I kind of became this like teenager full of angst and anger I just kept playing that role, you know, and I would get in trouble and I was like, Oh, I'll show you how much trouble I can get in. I'll show Mm -hmm. you how bad I can be. And, um, you know, thank goodness I didn't get caught for half the stuff I did growing up (laughs) because I probably would still be in prison, but, um, it definitely had me fill this other role of just outside of just being a child, you know? And, uh, you know, in many ways, it was likely some way just to kind of protect and make sense of what was actually happening. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, it it's so interesting how like it can manifest in so many different ways, because like what I hear for you is like, like the way you turned anger inward was like kind of like being like the bad boy, like getting in trouble, breaking the rules, breaking the law, ending up in prison. And like my version of that was just like the polar extreme opposite of just like, Mm. Like, it was almost like a, like, I almost had like an internal, like, I'll show you, like, I'll just like, work really hard and always follow the rules and get the best grades ever. Like, you know, prove that I'm still normal, prove that I'm still like, that I'm above like the dysfunction that I got raised in. Like, I'm a, almost like a, I'm going to like show I was better than this and I didn't deserve this and fuck you. Yeah, totally. And just to be clear for our listeners, I did not actually go to prison. I only went to jail. (laughs) <laughs> so just so we're just so we're clear there and I was released shortly after so um just so we're clear so when you when you think about you know how this relationship with your father um your experience of it right and how it kind of sucked what did you learn about yourself like ultimately about within these relationship challenges hmm. yeah well you know I think what's cool is like, we talked a little bit about like what I first made it mean about me, which was all the negative things like, Oh, woe is me. Oh, I'm really pissed off. Oh, I guess I got to be good little girl forever. But you know, now being a couple years into like paying a lot of really good therapists and coaches to kind of help me see the other side of things. Like, I think what, like the gift that a relationship that sucked this bad gave me was learning how resilient I'm willing to be for the people that I love. Cause I think that was like the most conflicting emotion for me to handle. Like here, I, like here I was finally realizing that my childhood wasn't quote unquote normal and it was really dysfunctional. And I didn't know how to handle being hurt by that and still have like love for my dad at the same time. Like it seemed like I could only have one or the other. 
Um, and so it was, it was cool then on the other side of all of this to get like, oh, like I can still have tons of love for my family, but that doesn't mean it needs to be in the absence of love for myself or learning what I need to create healthy boundaries so that I'm not taken advantage of in any way. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. I, the, the thing I connect with there is, is that resilience piece, like almost being that survivor mm-hmm. um, and how that has like, formed your definition of success really is kind of what I hear. Um, how that resilience allowed you to keep going, right? To not stop. And almost a little bit of seeking approval or, Hey, look at me. Will someone please look at me? Mm-hmm. Um, so AKA, will someone please love me? Right. And how um, that has led to the success that you've had in, in your career and in, in your life in general. Yeah, definitely. It's, I think it's probably like, I know they say you can't polish a turd, but if you could, this would be <laughs> like be, like learning how to create resilience and success for yourself in the face of a whole lot of garbage would definitely be the gold on the other side of it. Totally, totally. Um, <clears throat> and it, yeah, like I said, it's very much my my experience too. Is like I approached, you know, I don't know, I was approaching success or trying to be successful, but where I was coming from was very much that same, like, Hey, someone pay attention to me. Look how good I am. Mm-hmm. Um, which is hilarious coming from, a, I'll show you how bad I am. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it led to, you know, I, I did well in, in school. I did well in college and, um, you know, I did well in business and in a career. And, you know, a lot of that driving force was because of this, not enough from my childhood and this, not enough, you know, love, I guess, from, from my childhood. Um, so, you know, it wasn't always bad, but, you know, I think looking back, um, it was definitely like the genesis or the creation for me to probably be where I'm at right now today, like a coach helping people in relationships. Like that's, that's hilarious that this bad boy (laughs) drug addicted, uh, Hellion is now supporting people and having more fulfilling relationships in their lives. Like you can't make it up. Absolutely. Well, and you know, the same goes for me in the sense of like, you know, going from like the good little girl who just wants to like follow the rules in hopes of being seen. Like nowadays as a leadership coach, my number one goal with most of my clients is to train them in becoming disruptors, like actually being the bold voice in the room that may have the opinion that is like not against the rules, but is actually evocative and provocative and draws attention to them. Not because they're so good and sweet and kind and amicable, but because it's so raw and real and honest and true to who they are. Like I basically coach women about being full grown women after living my whole life, kind of chasing this like good little girl story. Mm, Totally. Totally. How has, so, well, first, like, have you, have you accepted your father and have you accepted like your childhood, how it's gone? You know, I think it's a loaded question. Um, I saw a, I saw a drawing recently that did a really good job of explaining grief, which is basically like, imagine that 
like your like your brain is a box and inside that box is a button and every time that button gets hit you feel grief and anguish again and what's inside the box is a ball and as you heal over time the ball gets smaller so you're less likely to hit up against the like the anguish button or the grief button like you've actually trained yourself to just like not go there as often but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So I've taken so much ground in being really grateful for the experience that I had as a kid. And similarly being really grateful for the relationship that I had with my dad. Like I'm more willing now than ever to acknowledge like the parts of us that are similar and how those similar parts have made me the extraordinary business owner that I am. Um, and there's still times where I'm like, fuck that guy, you know, (laughs) you know, it doesn't, there's still moments that like I have to go back to the work and remember it again because, you know, it's like picking off a scab. It starts bleeding again and you feel pissed off and hurt. But I think the difference is while it used to be this gaping wound that was constantly oozing, now it's more like a, oh, it's hit, it's triggered, but I know what to do with it. And I know, I know why I want to do it. Like I'm really committed to mm-hmm. forgiveness and love which is why I'm willing to go there versus go to the other tendencies that I used to have, which predominantly for me with him was just complete cut out, shut down. Don't be in my life at all. Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting how like you learn how to be in relationship, not only with like your grief, your experience, your history, but also with the person you know, also with your father as well and have that be all in the same box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, in my, in my family, like growing up after my, after my father passed, it was very much like a survival mentality. Like we had to get over it. We had to like, just hurry up and continue to move on. And certainly like in the emotional sense, like, you know, we, we were grieving the way that we needed to grieve, but it was almost like there was a time limit on it and we just had to keep moving. We had to just keep moving on. Mm -hmm. And, and like physically how that played out too was, you know, one day my dad went to work and never came home. And one day I went to school and when I came home, all of my dad's things were gone. My, My mother like packed them up and got him out of the house. And, um, you know, no fault of her. That was the way that she got to deal with her grief and got to help process her experience. But for me, it was just like it completely, completely erased my father from my life. And it was like so, just so confusing. And I think too, being so young, I was like, oh, this could happen at any moment to anyone that I love. And it was yeah. just like this realization of like, man, I'm not going to love anyone, including myself. You <laughs> know, screw, mm-hmm. screw it all. You know, let's go create some trouble. So yeah, it was it, it was in my like in my healing in my own journey where, you know, I actually created like a project where I actually get to bring my father back to life, mm-hmm. and it hasn't always been easy uncovering truths about my father, uncovering um, my father's legacy, but it's in a way given me a deeper relationship with a man that I barely knew. 
You know? Yeah. And it's, yeah. Well, it's, it's cool. Cause like, you know, for you, when we talk about the word neglect, like it almost seems obvious. It's like, well, yeah, you were neglected. Your dad was literally dead. Like what could, like he was physically no longer with you to be there and give you what you needed. And, you know, I think on my side of the fence, like my father was and very much still is alive, but the neglect was like the space to like the neglect was in like the space to be me and be seen and be loved regardless of my own experience. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, I have memories myself that I won't go into, but, you know, seeing really bad things happen in front of me and, you know, being told that if I start crying about it or if I leave the dinner table, that it means that I don't love my family, mm. you know, that to go and take care of myself and take care of what I needed in the moment would prove that I didn't love my parents or my family. And so for me, it's it's really been like, like the, the story that I'm constantly working on breaking up is like that I can have my needs met without sacrificing other people's or that like love for myself is not in opposition to love for anyone else. And so, you know, when I talk about honoring like my own healing journey, like it's always that question of like, well, hey, how can I have my needs be met in the moment in this relationship? outside of the predictable will just run for the hills or shut it off. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to have that level of awareness or level of like insight probably took quite a bit of time to get Mm -hmm. there. Right. To actually, Hey, what's actually happening? What do I actually need? What does it actually look like to take care of myself? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think too, like part part of part of my daddy issues too were actually um, working on my issues with my mom. Mm-hmm. You know, like for forgiving her or practicing forgiving her for her experience of what it was like to lose her husband, right? The father of her children. Like I, you know, when I when I found a place to kind of put that anger, you know, it went to her. And, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily fair. Like she did the best she could with what she had when she had it. And it was a very pivotal moment in my relationship with my mom and my father to like practice forgiveness. And from the mentality of, oh, I've forgiven you, you know, one and done. You know, I realized that wasn't the case. It was actually an ongoing practice of forgiveness and one that goes on to this day, hmm. you know, and I wonder how forgiveness has or is or could impact your relationship with your father. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think it, it already has in a lot of ways. Like mm-hmm. I used to be the kind of person where if, if you made any comparison between the two of us, I'd be like horrified. Like I'd want nothing about me to be similar in any way. Um, And I've taken a lot of ground in that. And I think, you know, still what's next is, you know, we're both coaches. And so we talk about this a lot, like usually what upsets us from others or what triggers us from others is really what we can't be with about ourselves. And, you know, I know for myself, I constantly judge whether I'm too ambitious or I'm too direct or I take up too much space. And I know that 
you know, forgiving the moments where that was his case would mean forgiving the judgments that I have of myself. So really like I have it that like forgiving him, like kind of healing my daddy issues is paramount to me having like this love for myself that I think makes everything else I want in life possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's like profound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like healing as and forgiveness, not only for them, but for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. What would you advise our listeners to practice, create, commit to, and service of a more fulfilling relationship with their father? Ooh. um, Well, if I haven't said it enough, you know, pay the big bucks for therapy, which is sort of a joke, but sort of not. (laughs) Um, But I think more so like it doesn't have to be therapy. Like, but I would say commit to some sort of modality that your only role in it is to be with your thoughts and your feelings and your body sensations that come up when you think about what it was like to grow up with your parent. So it could be therapy, it could be prayer, it could be meditation, it could be working with spiritual healers, it could be in some capacities working with coaches that have specific training around that kind of stuff. You know, for me, I recently took on uh, adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families recovery work. Um, and so in short, there's so many resources out there. But the reason that I say commit yourself to one of them is because I know for me, the way that I've avoided healing for so long is to just create a life where I'm nonstop. And it's in those moments where I pause and actually take stock that I'm with what still hurts or what still feels painful or what I'm still angry about. And in my experience, when you create more of those moments on purpose, it means you're also creating the moments where you get to release it from yourself. Mm. It doesn't have to be real. It doesn't have to be true. It doesn't have to be the fuel that motivates you anymore. It actually has the space to just like go away. And then you get to feel, you get to fill the space that's left with like, you know, joy and ambition and love and the things that actually like nurture you in life. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think to wrap up the episode and to share something that you actually wrote and your response to some of my questions before we got on the episode here was give yourself permission to heal over and over again and be patient with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, this has been the daddy issue. If you have daddy issues or like to take this conversation deeper, feel free to reach out. Christina, it was so fantastic to have you here. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And good luck to all my fellow daddy issuers out there. All right. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Why Your Relationships Suck podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's guest and can't wait to have you back for our next episode. Be sure to hit subscribe. Links to our guests or any related content are below in the show notes. And if you want to take your own conversation deeper with Bob or have a story to tell that our listeners must hear, please reach out to Bob at conlincoaching.com.